everyone. For the next few weeks, we're going to be re-airing some of our favorite guest episodes. We'll be back with new episodes soon. Enjoy! Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And my normal co-host, Daphne Yang, is not here because I am on location interviewing our special guest for the day, Dana Krashen. I love that on location is my bedroom floor. <laughs> Listen, we could have pretended it was somewhere else. If I know. We I told to. them we're sitting on little pillows we in are. my bedroom, my New York City apartment. It's adorable because that's what you do when you don't have real furniture. <laughs> and before we get started, remember to talk to your doctor before beginning any workout or nutrition plan. Um, and also, as we talk to Dana today, Dana is a social media animal. It is true, and so. You can find her on Ooh, Facebook, yay. and yes. you can find us on Facebook. Our Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash podcast, and Dana's is... Ooh, it's follow that fanny pack. All one word, follow that fanny pack. And at follow that fanny pack on Instagram. That's probably the easiest place to find me. Yeah. So find us, find Dana. You'll be able to hear and see more about what we talk about in the episode, and you'll be able to keep track of us where you keep track of everything else. So it's yeah. super great. Um, so Dana, welcome Hi, to Joanna. the show. Welcome to my floor. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we have you on the podcast this week because it is, when we air this episode, it will be the week of the NYC Marathon. Uh, without a doubt, the greatest week in New York City every single year, <laughs> I would and like to say. So can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you do, just like okay. in a general way? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm Dana. Um, I am a an improviser. I guess that's what I do the most of. I teach improv and I uh, coach some uh, running a little bit. Not much. I'm dabbling, but I coach a middle school running club and I uh, wait tables on the weekends to, you know, pay rent, that fun stuff. So I do a lot of like little scattered piece work. And then my main focus is like how I can run and perform and perform and run. And that's pretty much what I do. And now do the braggy part. Oh, yeah. What, what's the braggy part? Oh! All of your marathons oh, and cool. other races. I ran a couple marathons. Um, <laughs> you said NYC will, this week yeah. will be your 10th marathon. My 10th marathon. So that's more than a few. We hate saying that stuff, though, because you never know what's going to happen. I could wake up sure. on Sunday morning the 6th and be like, eh, it's not the day for it's me to run. Or, or something could go wrong with something. Not right. all of these. Can I knock on wood? Yeah, sure. I don't want to mess up the microphone, but I'm knocking on wood here. So but you, never, you have run nine. Yes, I have run nine. I finished eight. Would you believe that? <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll get to that one. Uh, but running is a major part of your life. Yes, it is. I Yeah. I didn't know. It was a surprise to me. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So... Uh, I assume from that that you have not always been a runner. I oh, mean, no. everyone starts as a baby when you're not a runner. Yes. But, uh, so how did this happen for you? I, I like I vaguely remember sometime early in high school when we had to like run the mile. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I feel like everyone has oh, those yeah, memories. The mile, and I did everything in my power to like not be there that day. Mm-hmm. And then I think I ha- ended up having to go because I was like one of those. Ugh, good student people, and my mom made me go, and I think I walked it. So, yeah. but yeah, but the idea of running a mile put so much fear into me 
the idea of running like down a hallway put so much fear into me. Which were you just were you as a kid generally like not connected to oh, athletics? Yeah, no, not super active. I think there was like a there was a season or two where I played soccer. Uh-huh. I don't remember ever doing much soccering other than like showing up in my uniform. <laughs> um, and I swam. I was a good swimmer. I swam for a season in high school and then got distracted by drama club and never went back. Same, but with track. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, why like, can't well, you I, do both? I was like, well, I hate track and I love drama, so hey. why am I doing both? Hey, in 20 years, you'll realize <laughs> that you love both. Um, yeah, so that was my athletics. I was always like a little on the fluffy side weight-wise. Um, was that something you were really aware of as a young person? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Me. I was in some sort of club called the No Thank You Club, which I think trans... I say I think a lot because, like, these are, like, this is how I remember it, and I could be completely wrong. <laughs> but it was a club at the Y that was, like, Weight Watchers for kids. Oof. And I remember, like... Oh, I, you were supposed to say no thank you to food? Yes, yeah, to, <laughs> to food. Oh, no thank no. you to food. Um, yeah, and I remember being really excited one week because I like went down two pounds and I was 97.6. I, okay. Like I have a distinct image of that, but which was a lot for however tall yeah. I was and how little I was well, at the time. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I lived. I lived through it all. Uh-huh. As, as we all did. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I, life went on. Um, it was funny that I wasn't super athletic because my dad became quite a runner in his 30s, um, which is also when I picked up running. Uh, he became a runner and he ran a couple of marathons, and he will happily tell you that he won a half marathon once, which Whoa. is true. He was super fast. That's awesome. It, I did not get that from him. I got, <laughs> I got the like running part eventually, but not the super fast part. Um, so you were uh, there was at least like this connection to running in your life through your dad, but like, oh yeah, not as a participant, big time. But is I was, that where you got like your love of cheering? Yes, I became a. I think my family and I are professional marathon spectators, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to have. And I should probably, now that I'm thinking of it, put it on my special skill section. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because it's a great conversation. But I like. That is where I am my happiest. Like, running is great. Finishing races is great. Marathon spectating is, like, everything to me. Um, We would... um, You're from the Boston area? I am from the Boston area. Mm -hmm. And when my dad started running marathons in his 30s, there were these people. You'll hear a lot about them today, (laughs) probably. Um, Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt, who at the time was Ricky Hoyt. And they were a father and son team. And Dick wanted to push Rick... Um, who had cerebral palsy, has cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. uh, in a wheelchair for the Boston Marathon. They are a fantastic duo. You should read all about them. Team Hoyt, they're amazing. Uh, and they wanted to run the Boston Marathon like with a legal number. Mm-hmm. And my dad got interested in this story. He went to some sort of, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was a hearing or a talk, or trying to discuss if they should have a legal number, something with the BAA. My dad was there. We became interested in their story. My mom started taking us every year to mile 8.4. I didn't know it was mile 8.4 at the time. All right. It was just your spot. It was just our <laughs> spot. It was Natick. It's actually, um, I'm showing Joanna this, that little red 
Oh, uh, needlepoint, like point needlepoint on her wall. Yeah, that little building is where we sit to watch the marathon. It's, it's Henry horrible. Wilson's shoe shop in Natick at mile eight point four, right next to the Honeydew Donuts. <laughs> and we would go there every year, like basically every year of my life. I was like a baby when we first started going there. My mom made one big yellow poster board sign that said "Go" and one <laughs> that said "Ricky," and we went out there the first year and we had "Go Ricky" as signs. And there was like. This was a long time ago. Yeah. So this is in the early '80s. So there, there, this was there was no internet. This wasn't like something we could really um, reach out to the Hoyts and tell them how much they meant to us or anything. But I think ten or eleven years into it, we saw them getting interviewed at the start line, which happened every year after they mm-hmm. became like well known for running Boston. Um, and we heard them say something about how they always look forward to seeing the people in Natick with the big yellow signs. And we were like, oh, gosh, we have to do this forever, and we're famous. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and they would come over and slap us high five, and then video cameras came around, and we would start, like, getting that 30 seconds. And that was, like, the greatest 30 seconds of my year, every year, when the Hoyts would come by our little stop. Even if they were on the other side of the road, I knew they knew we were there. Mm Mm-hmm. It was actually great because several years into it, my mom was like, we have to have a sign for Dick, too. <laughs> and they, um, they, what I assume can only be the case is that she went to the store and they didn't have any yellow poster board. So she got pink poster board and wrote and Dick on it. So now <laughs> in our collection of marathon signs, there is go Ricky and then a big pink sign that says and Dick. And we all joke about who has to hold that sign. <laughs> like this was our only family tradition like Mm -hmm. going there and I was there every year there was one year I was away on tour and I couldn't go and it was like heartbreaking there were like two years the the Hoyts didn't run because of injury and we were still there with signs for them and the (laughs) signs grew and it the Boston Marathon was always around my birthday and so it became like my birthday party and my friends from high school would come and and this is something that I think people not from Boston don't understand like I definitely didn't until I oh moved God. to the east coast but like marathon day in Boston is Patriots huge. Day. It's huge it's like the city stops oh. you do like there's the marathon oh. There's is there it's always so a Red good. Sox game? yeah yeah, there's always a Red Sox game. And, and then no when I started, right? What? No one, no has, one has school. It's, Mar- it's Patriots Day. It's Marathon Monday. You take the day off and you go and cheer. And like, people would, people's friends would be like, "We have to go cheer somewhere. Where should we go?" And they'd be like, "Oh, go hang out with our friends, the Shulmans, <laughs> at mile eight point four. And my sister and I would always, like, we had such traditions. My mom had like little binoculars and a little TV so she could see the start, and she always had the um everyone's numbers from the paper, like when they would print out the numbers so that we knew the lead uh, runners' names and then later we could identify other runners and we could call them by name. Like we had, we had like jobs. Yeah, mad strategies. Yeah, my sister and I would always go over to Honeydew Donut in the morning and there was a little pet store over there with a, a like some sort of parrot that talked that said, <laughs> hi, Al. Like, these are the things I remember from so, my childhood. So, tons of emotional memories oh, surrounding ridiculous. the marathon. My sister would get a blueberry cake donut, <laughs> and then we'd come back, and my mom would go, oh, you guys are eating that garbage. <laughs> and every year, that all of that happened. So, as you were watching the marathon, did it, was was there a part of you at that time that was like, someday I'm going to do this? Or oh, did that only Every happen? single year, I was like, I should start running this week. Yeah. So when did that actually start happening? 34 years later. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was 34. Uh, something happened. Uh, I think I was 33. Or there, was a com- there was a weight loss competition mm-hmm. amongst our comedian friends. 
And I was like, I could do this. And I entered that and I lost a bunch of weight and I like hired a trainer. And then I started running and I really liked it. Mm -hmm. Like somebody got me to run a mile uh, and then I was doing like a couple miles. And then I was like, this is impressive. And then I like stopped training as much and was like running more. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. And it was October of 2012, I guess, mm -hmm. or November, October, November, fall 2012. Let's do that. <laughs> um, and I reached out to Kathy, who is in charge of Team Hoyt, because I had figured out that to run Boston, you either needed to be super fast. Mm -hmm. you to, yeah, you have to have like a qualifying time. time, qualifying time. It's a really, that's why it's everyone's like goals to run Boston mm -hmm. um, or the charity runners. And it's really hard to get a charity spot. The, there's, there's few of them and it's a high fundraising minimum. Uh, so I said, so, oh, sorry, we yeah. haven't talked about this at all on the yeah. show. So for people who don't um, do this sort of thing, so that's, that's fairly common for getting into marathons. Is that right? That you either like some marathons you can get in by just like running a qualifying time, but a lot of marathons, that are sort of like high demand where there are like more people who want to run them than there are spaces. You either like NYC does a lottery yep. or they do like, if you, uh, they call it nine plus one, where if you're a member of, uh, uh, New York road runners yes. and you like run nine races in a year and do one volunteer shift, then you get automatic qualifying. Yes. New York to get in its lottery, nine plus one time qualifying. There's a way to get in time qualifying. Mm -hmm. Um, charity or, or, or running, running for charity. The, yeah, running for charity. In which case, like, you find a team that hopefully has a spot for you. They, yes. like, ag you know, agree to put you on the team and then you raise a certain amount of money yes. as sort of, like, your commitment to the team in addition to running, like, 26 yeah. miles. Yeah, then I think there's also, like, I mean, there's also, like, club spots and, like, for fast, mm -hmm. super fast people. Right. Uh, Boston doesn't have a lottery of any sort, so it's mostly... I'm not sure what the exact percentage is, but it's mostly time qualified people and they're all really, really fast and it's mm -hmm. real hard to do that. And I honestly am not sure that that is actually ever physically possible for me until maybe I'm in my fifties or sixties <laughs> and in which case it'll still be a, a, a long shot. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you have to be real fast or you have to find one of these coveted charity spots. Right. So you so team Hoyt, team Hoyt. eventually I think in the late, to, late, Maybe 2009. I'm probably making that year up. But I think it's about 2009. Team Hoyt started getting a certain number of charity bibs um, that they were able to have uh, money raised for the Hoyt Foundation, which distributes money to children, um, mostly children, youths, uh, disabled youths, so they can live better lives. Uh, Great cause. Yeah, they, they distribute to Easter Seals and a lot of other charities that find good homes for the money. Uh, and so they got a certain number of bibs and they had a small charity team of runners who had raised money for the fund and then got bibs for Boston and they ran us a, a team. So I had noticed that my mom knew about it. My mom had emailed with this woman, Kathy, mm -hmm. like to be like, here are pictures of us over the years of us with the Hoyts. And Kathy wrote back, Oh, we totally know who you are. Oh, that's great. So when I reached out to her, I wrote like, Hey, uh, I'm Dana I'm the Krashen. one with the sign. I'm Norma Shulman's daughter. Uh, I, if, I know you have a charity team. I've seen them now. We yell uh, whenever we would see someone in the Team Hoyt shirts go by. We would yell, yes, you can, at them, because that's their motto. 
And my mom, like, made sure we knew what the motto was so we knew the right thing to yell right. at them. Very important. Yeah, of course. And uh, I, I was like, if you ever have a spot on your charity team, I would love to. And she wrote back, oh, Dana, it's so good to hear from you. Of course, we love your family. Uh, we would love to have you be a part of the team. Of course, We make our team up over the summer, and it's already happened. So I'll put you on the wait list for, for uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. So their 2013 team had been made. Uh, they put me on the wait list for 2014. And I was like, great. I've done my yeah, duty. Awesome. Done. I was like, I And it's I tried. also always, uh, <laughs> like, easier to agree to, like, do a thing that's happening far in the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was I was even just on the wait list right. for 2014. Right. I've done my due diligence in trying to do this. Now, if it doesn't happen, it's not my fault. Great. <laughs> I, did, I reached out to the one place that I <laughs> would want to do. Because I thought, you know, if I was going to run a marathon, mm-hmm. it'd be crazy. I would want to run Boston. Because that's my hometown. Um, yeah. And then, uh, a month or so later, it was the end of November. So four to five months before Boston, I got a phone call. I was away and I got a phone call from this woman, Kathy, who said somebody had been injured on the team and was awaiting medical clearance the next morning. And she needed to have a a replacement ready just in case for for the for 2013 next... <laughs> so like a year and a half before you were planning on oh yeah possibly oh yeah happening. and and she was like do you want to run boston i need to know now <gasps> and so at the time Smart lady i know don't give you time to think about it <laughs> i was like i have to call you back um and i was away and the only person i knew other than my dad who had run marathons at the time was my one friend angie and I call her, and I was like, Angie, can I do this? And she was like, you have a slot to run Boston? And I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah. And she was like, uh, yeah, you, you run Boston. And I was like, okay. At this time, I have only run like three to four miles at a time. And she was like, and I will train you. And I was like, that's, that's a great. great person to have in your Excellent. corner. Thank you, Angie. Uh, so that's how I got my slot in Boston. Wow. Uh, yeah. So then when you were training... Up from, like, so, like, being in your 30s, being a, like, three to four mile runner, and only having, like, a few months, like, what, you don't have to get into the details of yeah. your training, but, like, how did you do that? Um, you, you find yourself a good plan that you feel comfortable with. I took a really basic Hal Higdon plan that you can get off the internet, mm-hmm. and Angie looked at it for me, and she was like, yeah, that'll do. Um... <laughs> And, and a plan for, like, something like that basically says, like, how many miles you run yeah, and when, right? It's a, probably, like, a solid place to start. There's 20, 18, 16-week plans. Uh, I picked an 18-week plan because I think that's how much time I had left. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a full season. That's, yeah. that's enough time to run a marathon. And it'll give you probably four runs a week and maybe a cross-training day. And then it, the most important thing is that progression of the long runs um and not jumping up in mileage too much you really Mm -hmm. only want to jump up a little bit 10 percent or something each week Mm -hmm. in mileage and giving yourself rest and having rollback weeks where you don't run where your long run isn't as long as the run before Mm -hmm. to let your body recover so that then you can gain strength for the next week let's call it what it is it's like so you can break yourself and then like (laughs) let it heal a little bit it's totally mess uh, yeah. But in a way, that's what all 
exercise is or what all like strength is is like you're making basically like tiny tears in your muscles and then they're repairing themselves and like you get stronger which is crazy and i feel like once you get into the world of like long distance running it gets like that gets sort of blown out to an extreme that's nuts (laughs) that's what lifting weights is too isn't it all of that oh gosh just breaking yourself down so you can oh my gosh that's all of life it is kind of all of life. I'm having an aha <laughs> moment right now. Wow. Uh, so so you just started following your plan? and Yeah, just started run, running. Was it intimidating? Um, I think there was the day that I ran 13.1 miles for the first time was not in a race. I And I remember I social mediated about it. Um, social mediated. That's a word now. <laughs> sure. Um, I social mediated about, uh, running Dana's self-inflicted half marathon. Uh, and I was, I was real proud of myself. Yeah. Uh, I got a, a GPS watch that was super helpful Mm. to help track the mileage. Yes. Uh, it was, yeah, it was intimidating. It was, it's less intimidating when you, I guess the most intimidating part is how much you end up giving up. Mm. In order to be able to do it. You mean in terms of time? Yeah, time-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, made a lot of deals with myself. I was like, okay, you don't have... If you need to get these running shoes, you don't have time and money for uh, manicures and pedicures anymore. And, sure. like, uh, maybe you have to figure out how to wear your hair curly because you don't have time to blow it out anymore. Um, and I'm not saying I, you can't ever do those things, but they're just... I found things that were more important to me like running shoes became more important to me than wearing heels Mm -hmm. which I have all but given up talking about stuff like that I think is really important because the images you see of um people posting about their like running experience or their exercise experience most people don't post about the stuff they give up most people just post like the victory moments the like you know weight loss moments the stuff that's like that makes it look both easy and amazing. And I think that's really intimidating to, like, what I refer to as normal people. Because, like, I look at something like that and I'm like, well, I'm never going to, like, it's never going to be that easy for me. So, like, maybe I don't belong here. But something I really appreciate about the way that you social media. (laughs) Is that I look so gross in half my pictures. You're very, you're, you're honest about the whole picture. And I think that that is, um, that's the bridge for us normal people who want to maybe someday do something amazing is say, seeing like, oh yeah, like it's not that just some people are born being able to have like 27 hours in a day instead of 24. Oh God, no. It's like the people who do it, like they give something up, like, you know, and if that's valuable to you, you could make it happen. And if it's not valuable to you, you don't have to do that. It's totally, the whole thing is funny to me because when a couple years before I started running marathons, uh, and I actually, I started running a little then I, I just become single. I, you know, I just, um, uh, ended a, or started to end a long, very long-term relationship. Um, and I started, you know, I wanted to go out and like meet people and like, I started doing comedy and that's when for the first, one of the first times in my life, I, I feel like I really got to be, like, a girl who did her hair all the time. And, like, I, it was important to me because I was going out and meeting people and I wore a lot of heels and I wore a lot of dresses. And then because of that, I was like, oh, maybe I want to lose a little weight. And then I started running. And you, I thought I was running to lose this weight. And I did. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I've, I'm I'm a couple pounds squishy right now, but it's it's okay. We don't have to talk about that part. Uh, it weight well, fluctuates. Re- it seems like you've replaced that goal, yeah, with a much bigger. That's goal. that's where I was going. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like I was running to just look cute in clothes anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was run- I was started running to feel better and like feel. It became like I was running to feel like myself, which is so weird because a decade ago, if you told me I was going to run to feel like myself, I would be like, ha ha ha, because that's like the opposite of myself. Right. But yeah, so now like I I hate wearing heels as much because they hurt and my feet hurt and, uh, you know, I have different, like I, I have a quick way of doing my hair so it looks okay, but it's not like... 30 minutes I spent blowing it out. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like your identity as a runner has given you freedom to like get rid of some of the other stuff that women especially feel like needs to be part of their identity. It's like, you know, many women would like to give up heels. Oh, totally. uh, But (laughs) like feel like they can't because like being a cute lady is like their primary identity. And now all of a sudden, like you have this other thing that, like, you sort of arm yourself with. It's like, yeah. I get to give this up because, like, I am confident in this other thing that I do. Oh, yeah. And, but uh, you know what I won't give up? Because <laughs> I feel like I should claim this because we all know this. Uh-huh. I race in a full fa- face of makeup. <laughs> and, and They why? take pictures and I take <laughs> selfies. Yeah, if yesterday I went out on a 22-mile training run and I did not wear makeup and I knew there would be pictures involved because I like taking pictures and posting pictures mm-hmm. of my runs, but races, I wear full eyeliner. <laughs> it's very important to me. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. And I love, like, five hours later in a marathon taking that picture at the finish line with the medal and then, like, have having people say, like, your makeup looks great. And I'm like, yeah, it does. I planned that. Right? And I spent a long time planning my marathon outfits. So I'm not, like, I'm not, like, totally, um, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm just, like, free love and running around and stuff. I still still, uh, do stuff that makes me feel like I look pretty. But I also think that sometimes I'm kind of... uh, Pretty without makeup. I don't totally. know. Well, the whole idea is choice, right? Yes. Like, it's not that, like, we should never do these things or care about how we look. It's that those things should be based on, like, what we want. Yes. And uh, we should be allowed to choose whatever we want, we want on any given day. And it's, you also have to, we also have to give up, oh, gosh, you don't have to do anything. But <laughs> I like running my 22s the morning after I didn't go out drinking all night. Mm. So there was a lot of, like, and, like, I want to go to so-and-so's birthday party in Brooklyn, but I got to get this run in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of showing up at improv shows in sweaty running clothes and trying to make myself look as decent as possible and then going on stage because there's compromises that you have to make with your schedule to make it all work. Especially if you're uh, a normal person and you aren't running, like, six-minute miles, like, it takes oh. a long time Oh yeah, to run 22 miles. I love it when I talk to super-fast people, and they're like, you guys in the back of the pack are really the heroes, because I have no idea how you would fit in that much time to train. Like, mm-hmm. my 22-miler yesterday, yes, I took a lot of breaks. Yes, there was something wrong with my hip. Yes, I'm nursing some injuries. But I stopped a lot, and I'm like... And I took it easy. There was one mile I walked towards the end. But it took me almost six hours yesterday. And that's a lot of day. And it's not just that six hours that I'm on the road. It's the hour I'm waking up 
and eating oatmeal and like and stretching beforehand and stretching afterwards and ice baths and foam rolling at night takes another hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot. Being a marathoner is not a casual pursuit. Like, it takes up a lot of your life. Now I just have to find someone to pay me to do it. And then we're golden. (laughs) You're good. But if there was someone who would pay me to do it, that would be my career. (laughs) And you can find her at Follow That Fan Tech (laughs) on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you trained for Boston. Yes. You get to Boston. Yes. Um, people who have any sense of timeline might have some idea of where this is going. Yes. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that first marathon? Yeah. Um, I had the greatest weekend with my team ever. Um, yeah, it seems like running is really social for you oh, too. Oh yeah, it was great. It was the best. Meeting all these amazing people and getting to meet the Hoyts, like, I know them now. Yeah. And, uh, and they got to meet my family and we all had dinners together and, uh, one of my coaches is, Uta Pippig, who is one of the most amazing humans I've ever met. And uh, I remember coming home from the marathon, because we would leave mile 8.4, go home and watch people finish. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember one year she won the marathon, and my mom like showed me and my sister the TV, and she went, that woman is a champion. And we were like, yes. <laughs> and now she's my running coach. Uh, and so meeting all these people, it was so wonderful. It was like the greatest uh, yeah, I can't, I can't even say enough about how wonderful that weekend was. And then we started the race and there's these amazing pictures and I got to, uh, mile 8.4 where my family was, which was like the craziest, most surreal experience ever. And I made, this started a long tradition of me having like something funny that I did when I got to mile <laughs> 8.4. So I made little confetti of our, uh, go Ricky and Dick signs. And I went it's on video. I went confetti, <laughs> like, and, and then I ran by. Adorable. Um, and I met my friend Megan, who's now one of my running partners for life. Megan was the only other first-time marathoner on Team Hoyt, so we were the two first-time marathoners. I mean, that's random. Like yeah. people don't run mar- Boston as their first marathon. That's real weird and exciting and cool. <laughs> so we were gonna do it, and we got out there and we ran. And then there's, I remember, like, there's this point at mile 17 where you turn uh, and you go into basically four miles of hills. They talk about Heartbreak Hill in yeah. Boston, but it's really four miles of hills. <laughs> it's a, it's rough. And uh, it was a long, <laughs> it was a long way uh, up that those hills. But I remember, like, thinking that the energy was kind of weird. I lost Megan at some point. Uh-huh. Um, she was, a, like, a little bit behind me, not much. And that but, sort of happens in marathons, yeah. that, like, you run with someone for a while, and then depending on how people yeah. are feeling, you sort of split off or come back together. And It's entirely likely we would have uh, finished that race together because we weren't that far apart. Mm-hmm. But I was running up Heartbreak Hill, and I remember I got to the top of Heartbreak Hill, like, I thought the crowds were a little, like, less than I thought, but uh-huh. I also thought I was really hitting the wall. I was really out of it. Like, they talk about this wall, and I'd never hit it before. And I was I was a little out of it, and I was real tired, but I was still running. And we got um, to the top of Heartbreak Hill, and there was some, like, a dude and a lady, maybe. Um, that's a weird way to say that. <laughs> there were some people uh-huh. holding a big, giant sign that said, like, top of Heartbreak Hill, like, this sign had been around forever and they yeah. had like brought it every year and stood there and 
the sign was kind of like on the ground. They weren't holding it up. They were like holding it upside down and talking to each other. And I was like, they're not even cheering for me. And I still uh-huh. had headphones on. And I was right. I was like, this energy is weird. I remember I saw someone walking down the hill that I knew that was friends with one of my teammates, and she took a picture of me, and I was like, ah! And, like, totally faking the... Yeah. Because you get really excited (laughs) when you see race photographers, even if you're dying. Um, And I ran a little bit further. I got to, like, 21 and a half, I think is what we figured out it was. Mm -hmm. And I ran across this road... I can picture it really clearly. It doesn't look exactly how I remember when I've been back uh-huh. there, but um, there were like three or four National Guard people standing in the road, kind of with their hands up, and I and I went to high five one of them because oh. <laughs> I thought they were yeah. high fiving people. I was right. like, "Oh my crowds, yeah!" And he was like, "You have to stop, ma'am." And I was like, and I took off my headphones and I was like, "Ha ha ha!" I think I like laughed in his face right. and started kept going. He was like, "No, ma'am, you have to stop." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Bombs at the finish line." That was what he said to me. Yikes. And uh, we were at twenty one and a half. I had just seen my boyfriend, my friend Chris, my dad, my stepmom at seventeen, and they were going straight to the finish line. So he said, "Bombs at the finish line." And Immediately in your I mind. I stopped, which, by the way, when you haven't run 21 and a half miles before, don't just stop cold, because that's not fun. Um, but I stopped, and I screamed bloody murder, and they, like, started to, like, try to push me into a chair. Not push me into a chair, but they were trying to, like, calm yeah. me down. And I was like, ow, ow. And then I, I looked over, and it was the first time I had noticed that there were all of these runners sitting on this little green patch that were uh. just waiting there. And I was like, oh, they really are stopping me. And I was screaming so loud and, like, so upset. And I looked over, and there was this one girl who um, was sitting there, and she was, like, like sitting kind of, like, holding her knees. And I looked at her, and she was, like, trying to be calm. And then, like, my freaking out was making her cry. Yeah. I could see it. And I was like, oh, get yourself together. Get yourself together. And I, like, stopped screaming. And because I couldn't get anyone on the phone. Yeah. Like the phone lines weren't working. And I walked over to her and I was like, I was like, hi, are you okay? And she was like, um, and I was like, you want to stretch with me? And she was like, yeah. And so we started stretching because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. While I was trying to call people and figure out what was going on. I think I pushed my Facebook or my text or something and I had like hundreds of notifications. And sure. I was like, oh God. And... I I think I nothing was really going through well, but I saw something on Facebook that somebody was like, "Does anyone know if Dana's okay?" And I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. And there's this status update that comes up in my time hop every year, and I get really like, "Ugh," when I see it. Yeah. But it says like, it says, "Hi, I'm at mile 22. What's going on? Is everyone okay?" I remember seeing you post that, and like, and people were so excited to see it because they didn't know where I was. Right. But I couldn't get anyone really on the phone. Right. So all of a sudden, like, people know you're okay, but yeah. you don't know what's going on or if no, your people are or okay. or my teammates or yeah. my family. And then um, my ex-husband got through on the phone to me, and so and I made him stay on the phone until he had, like, used some other phone and called and confirmed with my sister that everyone was okay. So by the time I got off the phone with him, I knew everyone was okay. At that point, I think I was, like, starting to shake, and they took me into a Red Cross truck. Yeah. And gave me a little blanket. Because it's, it's shocking enough to your body yeah. to have run that far. Yeah. And it was good weather, too. But, and then to be on top of that, experiencing this, like, crazy adrenaline event. Yeah. Um, but I, they took me in a Red Cross truck to be safer, 
And I remember like saying like, I'm not going without my friend because I couldn't find my teammate wasn't there. Right. The one I was running with because she was like a half a mile behind. But this, I made this girl that was stretching <laughs> with me. I like decided she was my new team, teammate. I was like, We're, I'm not going without her. And so they let us both go into the truck, which was um, a nicer place to be than outside at the time. And then uh, they took us to a church. And I was super lucky because my people came and got me really fast. Yeah. My sister had a tracking app on my phone and she showed uh. up. And then my friend Amelia, who was a couple miles ahead with a sign, maybe like a mile ahead with a sign, she got there too. So I had multiple people to pick me up immediately. And uh, I, so I let a bunch of people use my cell phone because a lot of other runners didn't have their cell right, phone. sure. There's my plug for fanny packs. You're right. right. There. <laughs> like, use a fanny pack. Put your phone in it. Be yeah, safe. Totally. I understand. I get worried with my super fast friends when they're out training without phones. Yeah. And I'm like, guys. You, you just don't know. Like, I know. there is no way you could have had any idea that that's why you would have needed your phone that day. Yeah. So, like, totally. You know. Uh, but it turned out that I was super lucky. My family was safe. They got stuck in a tunnel, like, coming out to where they were going to mm. watch, like, in the car. And they got stopped because of all this traffic, and they saw, like, bomb squad trucks going Oof. by them. And all my friends, a lot of my teammates, people were at the finish line. A lot of their kids saw awful things, but Oof. nobody was hurt. Um, I had, oh, we had teammates. The Hoyts didn't finish. They were close to the finish. Mm -hmm. um, we had teammates who... One sibling had finished and one hadn't finished and they couldn't find each other and everyone ended up being okay, which was good. But then it was on to like dealing with this, you know, not as traumatic as like being injured or, or losing someone of or course. any of those things. But like this idea of like, this was my first marathon and someone came out and told me not to finish. Totally. Well, and I can imagine that that was super complicated because there's this much larger thing that's happening, which yeah. is that like, you know, people were really hurt in this act of, like, terror. And so it's hard to say, like, I am, but, but I am legitimately upset about oh, not yeah. finishing. But also, like, I that's totally understandable because that was your experience, was, like, training for these months yeah. for this thing that was really important to you. And then to not be able to finish because of this, like, crazy thing. But still also, like, I think about it, even the people that did finish that day, like... Oh, that, I don't know, you just, you look at that medal and, because I have a medal. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was like, I was, I was so looking forward to that medal. Like, I ran yeah. for so long thinking about this medal. I know it's a silly piece of thing, but um, the next day I... We had to go into Boston to get my bag because I never got to pick up my bag. And my bag had, like, my ID in it and, like, all the <laughs> sure. stuff I needed to go back to New York. So my friends drove me into Boston. And I had to, like, go down some side streets and find the barricade place where they had the bags. Yeah. And while I'm walking in to get my bag, I saw this girl walking out with a medal on. And she looked like this girl Megan that I was running with. And I was like, that girl looked like Megan. But that girl had a medal on. I was like, that can't be Megan. Megan was behind me. And I turned around and I went, Megan? And it was Megan. Ah. So I wouldn't have gotten to say goodbye to her. Yeah. Because I was leaving town and we never got to meet up at the finish line. Uh, and that's when I found out that I was about to get a medal. Ugh. So they gave me my bag back and I like 
I leaned over this like barricade where they were like blocking all the bags and this like lady gave me my medal <laughs> and I was like whoa <laughs> and then I turned around and there were all these tv cameras in my face and so then there became all this stock footage of me crying and <laughs> people looking at my sneakers because I I woke up that morning and I put the date and sharpie on my sneakers mm-hmm. so that started a tradition of sharpie dating sneakers which there's a lot of them up there now mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh yeah, you didn't know. Yeah. Sometimes I think maybe I would have done just one marathon. If, it, if that hadn't been <laughs> if your If it first. had just been normal. <laughs> if it had just been a normal marathon. So I know you did a couple yeah. things pretty soon after as a response to that. So I know that you did another marathon pretty soon yeah. after that I don't think was in your original plan. It was not. Uh, yeah, well, I came back... I tried that night at the hotel. I wanted to go out and run my last five miles, and they Ugh. wouldn't let me because I was in bad shape, but I really wanted to. Yeah. Um, a couple of days later, I went out with Angie and mm-hmm. my boyfriend, and we ran my last five miles. And then that started a tradition of every year on the 15th, I try to get people to run five miles with me and call it my last five miles. It also has helped every time I'm finishing a big long run. Like yesterday when I finished my 22 and I got to 17, I was like, it's just five miles left. You always have five more miles in you. But I needed, I needed to finish my first marathon. So my dad suggested that I go to New Hampshire um, and run this marathon that went around the lake around his house. So Megan and I went up there in October, six months later. We wore our Boston bibs on our back um, from our original numbers Mm -hmm. and we ran New Hampshire and we finished New Hampshire and it was a beast of a course it was super hilly it was awful but um there was a couple hundred people who ran it it was uh-huh. tiny it was it was basically the opposite of boston yeah, totally uh and i ran down the finish line into the school parking lot and like my boyfriend was there and my family was there and there was a little band and they announced my name and they played new york new york and Ugh. somebody offered me pizza it was like <laughs> it was tiny it was amazing mm-hmm. everyone was standing right there so that was a nice little private way to finish uh my first marathon mm-hmm. that I finished yeah and then I ran New York three weeks later <laughs> wow so that was my first New York <laughs> which started a long tradition of uh Boston in April New York in the fall and possibly one other fall marathon if I'm not too broken yeah so that's where I'm at wow um well I think I mean talk about like getting back on the horse right away yes <laughs> um you know I think that's uh it's interesting that you say that you might have stopped at one i might have uh because now nine marathons in oh gosh <laughs> nine marathons and in four bostons uh new hampshire philly three new york's about to do fourth new york blah blah um and now running has become part of your professional life too and it seems like part of sort of how you act out like your mission in the world. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like how, how that has, like, I know you do some coaching, you yeah. um, put together a run that I did that was super awesome. That was fun. That was a good time. Yeah, no, I, I kind of just realizing that like in 2012, Angie was the only person my age I knew that ran. Mm-hmm. And now that my newsfeed and Facebook and everything is flooded with runners I'm not sure how all of that started or if it was just that Facebook got bigger and we yeah. all started posting things and then we all started connecting, but there's definitely a connection. I mean, I can't even tell you 
how many times I get messages from people who don't even like regularly like my pictures who are just like, I'm running half this weekend and I've been following you since the beginning. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so cool. And so for every person who's like, oh gosh, Dana's r- posting another running <laughs> selfie. I'm like, ev- for every one of those pers- people, there's a couple of people who have like in some way run something because of some dumb thing I posted. Totally. Like <laughs> I posted the other day. After my, I ran a half this weekend in the freezing cold and rain, and I had to go to the bathroom a couple times during the race, because <laughs> I was at a wedding the day before, and I was eating like a mess, and it was just not a good plan, the whole thing. <laughs> and I still made good time for having to stop and wait in line to go to the bathroom, but my post-run selfie said, like, I shouldn't have started eating cheese again yesterday. <laughs> and then, like, people were, like, messaging me, like, like weird things, like, you you posted your time. It was like, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I won't hide my times. Like, I'll tell you why I didn't do as great as I thought I was going to do that day. And I like always try to find the humor in it. Like my first marathon in New Hampshire, I took off my pants after the marathon and realized that I had an, a pair of underwear stuck with static, (laughs) static electricity to the inside of my pants. Like that's the part of running. That's super interesting to me. Like Mm -hmm. the stupid, ridiculous, like real human experience. Yeah, because, like, I'm never going to be the elite runner. And I'm, I don't feel bad even saying that. People say, never say never, or you can do anything you want. No, well, but I think that's so important because, um, you know, people say that, too, um, if I, like, if I talk about, like, weight loss and say, like, you know, all of weight loss culture is out there to tell you that no matter what, you can lose weight. You're just, like, uh, one you know, real try away. And you know, the truth is I may never weigh less than I weigh right now. I may never be faster than I am right now. And like part of being awesome is me saying like, if this is my maximum in terms of like athletic ability, that has to be okay. And like, I can find another way to have a goal. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's it's so true. But like celebrating every little bit of your victory. Mm-hmm. Like celebrating the fact that like I ran this marathon without having to stop to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, or I didn't have any underwear stuck in the leg of my pants. Totally. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think about what other ridiculous stuff. Like I ran Philly, and the marathon is like a Liberty Bell, and it rings. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the greatest. I have a medal that rings now. Um, do it's you just, coach kids now? I that, I do. I smoke. A, <laughs> smoke. I, I don't smoke any children. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the, the two words I was trying to say that just came out like that are. But uh, I do not smoke children. Um, I coach for Mighty Milers um, through one of my schools that I work with and teach improv for. Um, So I have like a really small group of girls usually who come Mm -hmm. out and we go for a run. That's what I'm doing this afternoon. That's awesome. Yeah. Usually I don't even run. I usually watch them run and, Uh and uh, time them. But I, I actually really love the fact that I have the, the three main girls this semester I have are like, girls that don't want to go out there and run super fast. They want to, like, be evenly paced and talk and chill and run yeah. and, and hang out with each other. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. You guys and are And how cool. great not to have 
their only, you know, this running experience be with a coach who says like, what you want out of this experience isn't enough. You have to want this other thing. Totally. And instead to say like, awesome, I am going to help you do the thing you want to do. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think Fitbits are a little, I don't know. They stress me out. Like uh-huh. I would be weird about that. But a couple of them have Fitbits and mm-hmm. they just are like, I like getting miles in. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Let's totally. get some miles in. It's better than spending that hour that you could have been like eating french fries mm-hmm. or and i guess that has its own uh place of right there uh, are times when you just spend an hour too, eating french fries right? um, um but totally. i love that they're choosing they could do something else during that hour mm-hmm. they have other after school options but a couple of them choose to come out and like get outside with me that's awesome which is totally cool and tell us a little bit about uh women run the night oh yeah women run the night um uh there were a bunch of attacks uh that were, you know, pr- pretty high up there in the media uh, on lady runners. And I kind of decided it was summer and I wanted to run at night because it's cooler at night and it's mm-hmm. hard to run when it's hot. And I got really, like, pissy that um, I didn't feel comfortable going to Central Park by myself to run at night. And so I, like, put a call out there to ladies and we had a couple dozen ladies show up and we all ran one night. Through the park, and it was great. It was great. It was I super was there. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> we did it again the next month. It was a smaller group, and we had a, a really great time. And now I'll probably put a little rest on it for the winter and mm-hmm. bring it back in the spring. Um, but that is true. That's one of the most, like, annoying things about being a lady runner <sighs> is that um, your safety is such an issue and that there's this... Like, I see men running at night all the time. No, I loved it when we were running that night and we <laughs> would see, like... shirtless guys running around by themselves. Privilege! Like, Enjoy your privilege! <laughs> uh, but I thought that was such a great um, event because, like, it had this, like, wider purpose of, like, having this message about, like, women banding together to be able to run safely. But also it was just great to, like, be a group of women getting together to run. Oh, like, yeah. That was very cool. Yeah, that that was that was fun for me. I, I uh, would love to do more with that. Yeah, I lo- and um, I organized some uh, comedian runners. Yeah. And we all ran a, a half together, and sometimes people still show up with their uh, People's Improv Theater running shirts on. And, and I love that you can combine communities. Like, here's mm-hmm. a group of friends of us from this place, and we also run. Yeah. Well, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it's nice. Well, let's talk for just a second about New York, since it's Ooh, about to it's, happen. It's about to happen. Um, so what is what keeps bringing you back to the NYC Marathon, and what are you excited about for this year? The NYC Marathon is ridiculous. I mean, if you're not from New York, it is... I think it's truly the best way to see the city. Mm-hmm. There's so much... Um, I love that it feels like a giant party. For me, um, I think it has something to do with the absurd amount of time qualifiers and how much life pressure and stuff that people put on Boston, but Boston ends up being very stressful. I love Boston. Mm-hmm. Do not get me wrong. New York always feels like to me more of like a, a like just, just go out there and do it. No mm-hmm. pressure. Yeah, there are um, a lot of people running NYC who is their first and maybe only marathon. Yes, a lot of people get in from the lottery and they're like, "Oh gosh, what did I do?" <laughs> and yeah, it might be it's probably going to be a one and done for them, or maybe not. And a lot of people spent a whole year the year before running races to do the nine plus one. So this is a a, a big com- time commitment they've put in to get here. But it's just so fun, and I just know so many people, and I love the fact that like. I will know spectators out there that I didn't know I was going to know that yeah. day. Like, oh, like one year, 
I was at like mile 19 and I saw a, a warm fuzzy headband with a Red Sox logo on it, <laughs> like on the side of the road because like people throw off like layers and like discard them. I think it was my first New York and I saw this headband and I went, Ooh, I want that. And like, I just bent over and got it. And I was like, ouch, what did I just do? And am I going to run eight more miles holding this headband? And I looked to my left and there was a guy that cuts hair at the salon down the street. <laughs> and I was like, Hey Peter. And he was like, what? Oh, and I was like, Hey, can you hold this for me? And I threw it at him. And then later in the week I went and got it from him. Um, it just, New York just feels like it's so nice to be home and not be traveling for a marathon and seeing all the boroughs, all five boroughs is really cool and the bridges are cool. And I also like the fact that one of Megan, my running teammate from Boston is coming in to run it for the first time this year. Uh, so it kind of feels like I'm giving her a tour of our city. It's so awesome. Yeah. It's so cool and fun. And the city gets so excited with the advertising beforehand and the crowds are crazy. And like, it's like there's a part of it where you're running through Central Park, which is what you do 8 million times mm -hmm. on your training runs, but not like that. Cause yeah. it, there's people screaming everywhere. I run down the, um, down Central Park South with a half mile to go left in the marathon. And I run by the restaurant that I've worked at for 11 years <laughs> And I run by there every year and know that I'm about to finish the marathon. And it's like, I'm home and I'm running a marathon. It's a big production. Yeah, it's, it totally is. Like, the city shuts down it's in a so lot of ways. Cool. It's so cool. It's real neat. And then you take the subway home. It's so silly. <laughs> That's when we all hobble down the stairs. That day is like seeing all the people in their medals on the train, and like, yes, um, you know, for a couple days afterwards too, you'll see people like wearing their medals around. Oh yeah, the but city we make fun of the people that like. There's always tourists who, like a week later, are still wearing their medal, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, you're I just have a normal strict, tourist again now. I have strict rules for myself. You can do whatever oh, you yeah, want. What are your I don't rules? judge anyone else, but if. It is a half marathon. Mm -hmm. You can wear it through brunch. <laughs> if it is less than a half marathon and you got a medal for it, you can wear it to where you're going and then you have to take it off. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know why. This is just <laughs> well, my it's dumb come rules. Up for you several if times. it's a marathon, you can wear it the whole day. Mm -hmm. And if it's a world major, that's <laughs> <laughs> so like Boston, Chicago, New York, London. Um, Tokyo, Berlin. What am I missing? I'm missing something in there. Uh, those guys, you can wear it the day after. Mm. But I honestly, I don't care. You can wear it whenever you want. <laughs> that's <laughs> but just, that's just my own personal rule. Uh, if you know what, if you have the confidence to wear it for a week afterwards, rock on. You go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I well, love the it. last thing I was going to ask you is, um, as someone who took up running in her 30s and it has become like a huge part of your life, what would be your advice to someone who is? Um, you know, starting from zero, but likes the idea of running a marathon or is excited about um, that possibility, but it seems like really far away. Like, what would be your advice to a, someone okay. starting? Totally right now. And I'm not kidding. And I never thought about this till right now. But like, my advice is like, go out there and cheer. Because mm. <laughs> if you do that, like if you go out and cheer on November 6th, uh, for me, Dana Crashin, you can track me and then find me yeah, and cheer totally. me. No, uh, but if you went out there and cheered and watched for a day, I think that's pretty much all the inspiration you'll need. My thought would be celebrate like every little victory. Figure out how to get yourself to a mile. Celebrate that. If you like getting likes on Facebook, 
post your stuff. Who cares mm-hmm. who doesn't like it? Those people are negative and they kind of stink. <laughs> and they're not having any fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, celebrate yourself whatever way you possibly can. I know a lot of people who have had a lot of success with those Couch to 5K apps. Um, my sister did that and she rocked it out. Yeah, get whatever it is. If you work well with a series of rewards, do that. I often will have like a Reese's Big Cup in the freezer for several months um, (laughs) thinking, I will eat that when I finish that marathon. Uh, Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of Boston 2013. Woo, was I had a chocolate bar in my check bag that I had been so looking forward to. And then I didn't feel like I was justified in eating it oh. afterwards. But, like, seriously celebrate yourself. Um, if it helps to buy yourself, like, some new shoes, go to a running store. Make sure you're wearing the right shoes. That's really important. Go to a running store. Have someone watch you run. Because bad footwear, if you're, not, if you're injuring yourself over and over again, you are going to not want to do it. Make sure when you put your foot into the shoe, it feels like, I want to put these on. Um, if it, if it helps to buy yourself like a sparkly headband, whatever, do whatever it takes to get out there. And then I think the main key is like figuring out how to enjoy time by yourself. Mm, totally. And it ends up being so refreshing because while you are running in a team or whatnot, a bulk of these miles you're going to do by yourself. And so figuring out how to love that, if it's not something that comes naturally to you, do that uh, and, and like use it as your own sort of way of meditation or thinking or getting your, your day together. Um, That's great advice. Yeah. Go out there and cheer. Yay. Well, I'll be cheering for Dana Yay, at NYC. Joanna. Uh, and um, Joanna, you want to run a marathon? Ugh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Joanna ran a half. Yes. Lots of halves. It's true. We'll see. She's run a lot of halves. I know this because I started stalking her. And I got mad, I think, the first time you ran. I was like, she didn't post about that beforehand so I could meet up with her. She's one of those secret runners. Well, I'll try to be less secret from now on. Yeah. And again, for people who missed it, if people want to find you on the internet, where are the best places to do that? Best place to find me is on Instagram, at follow that fanny pack. Follow that fanny pack. A lovely name created by my friend Rachel. Um, to be my official running hashtag. Also on Facebook at follow that fanny pack and on Twitter at that fanny pack. So you can follow that fanny pack. Got it. Except I don't usually use Twitter. So don't go there. Find me on Instagram. (laughs) And you do a lot of Facebook live stuff too, which I think is awesome. If yeah, if you find me on, if we're friends on Facebook, uh, Dana Crashen, I do some Facebook live stuff. I I have just started a series called Improv on the Run, where I make strangers do improv with me (laughs) while running. Awesome. Thanks, Dana. Thank you. This is a special feature we're doing just for today because of our guest called Yay. Dana's Gear Corner, <laughs> where Dana, who has been uh, running marathons for several years now, can tell us about her favorite gear. Um, so I think we should start with the namesake of your social media presence. Follow your, that fanny pack. Your fanny pack. So tell us about your favorite fanny pack. Okay. I have a lot of fanny packs. The one I always use is an amphipod. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> what I like about fanny packs... 
I like when the strap the whole way around is elastic. Some of them are not because I want it to be elastic so that I can push it down and wear it wherever I feel is comfortable in that moment. So Amphipod. I think it's called like the Airflow or the Airflow Light. There's two of them. I'll try to put a link up on our show notes yeah. so people can find all these things. Great. Um, that's fanny packs. Nutrition. Yeah, tell us mm. about nutrition. Goos didn't like liquidy like gel things. Mm -hmm. Gels, we should call them because it's not goo's fault. Goo makes other things that are great. Um, gels in general don't work well with my stomach, so I like chewy things. Mm. So I usually use Cliff Blocks or Honey Stingers Chews. I like the ones that have caffeine in them because I like caffeine. <laughs> but if you're not a caffeine person, uh, you don't have to do that. Uh, so skip that. Headbands. Yes. My favorite are Sparkly Soul. Oh, I love <laughs> them so much. And they had a sale last night, and they were 31% off. Whoa. And me and my girls ordered a bunch. <laughs> so there's a black and white sparkly polka dot one coming. Nice. Um, I have a couple that have bows. I like them because they're fun, and they make me feel like I'm not uh, as old as I am. <laughs> um, what else is in there? My headphones are usually earbuds. I'm a big fan of them. Mm -hmm. In general, I would like to plug going to Burlington Coat Factory, TJ Maxx, and Marshalls. Whoa. That's a big one because you can get good name running gear and almost all the things I've mentioned so far. <laughs> um, they're cheaper. They have, like, great running clothes um, in nice brands, and you don't have to pay full price, and full price is a lot. Oh, gosh. How can I be such a jerk? Uh, all my marathons I've ever run, I ran in Brooks. Brooks Running Shoes. Thanks, Brooks. Um, I want more social media love from Brooks because I don't know <laughs> if Brooks knows how much I love them, but every year I take a picture with my Boston Marathon medal in my current Brooks shoe. I have 8 million pairs of Brooks. Joanna is looking at them I am. right it's, now. It's very impressive. Um, that's, I think, most of my gear. My favorite piece of gear, which is super important to know about and is free, is Team for Kids, a charity in New York, a lot of people run New York for charity, and they run for Team for Kids. And I think they're the team that sponsors Mighty Mylers, which is mm -hmm. the program that I that I coach for. But they have a lip balm that they give out at these <gasps> events, and it's like a minty, menthol-y lip balm. And it's just their free giveaway. Right. And I think it's the greatest lip balm that's ever <laughs> been created. I will get you one at the expo this year, Joanna. Amazing. They're so good. Is that all my gear? I think that's what I mostly use. Oh, feature socks. Yes. Feature socks feature are my socks. favorite thing ever. Feature socks, Brooks shoes, fanny amphipod fanny pack, earbuds, headphones, my iPod shuffle, that's in there. <laughs> um, my Garmin GPS watch. I have the basic forerunner. I don't have a fancy one. It gives me mileage and speed, and I'm cool with it. I think that's most of it. Well, that, that sounds like most of what I wear. Well, thanks for your gear tips. Hey, Dana. use that gear. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, and today with Dana. Our show is usually hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on iTunes, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.